It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday, January 7th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. And today's episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sustained from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a beautifully unique diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Dolphins, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, director of scouting at TheDraftNetwork.com. And yesterday was the Happy Trails Chan Gailey reaction to Chan Gailey submitting his resignation to the team. And today piggybacking off of an offensive coordinator change. We're going to look at, from a personnel and execution and statistical perspective, the 2020 Miami Dolphins, where they need to get better. Uh, Kind of evaluating this team from an overall big picture view today on the offensive side of the ball, tomorrow on the defensive side of the ball, uh, barring any offensive coordinator hires over the course of the next 24 hours. I'm sure I'll probably get done recording and they'll have announced some interviews that would have been great content to talk to you guys about, but that's okay. Uh, We'll tackle that bridge when we get there. And and there's going to be a lot of content surrounding what the new offensive coordinator does conceptually and how the personnel fits and how it might steer us towards what kinds of players they may be adding down the road. But when you look at this Miami Dolphins team in 2020, They finished middle-of-the-road, 15th in scoring offense, 25.3 points per game. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. The fourth time in franchise history the team has scored 400 points in a season. Bravo. That's the good news. Uh, The bad news is when you look at from a statistical perspective, this is a team that was 35 of 60 in the red zone, 58.3%. That was 17th in the NFL in touchdown conversion rate in the end zone, in the red zone. This is a team that was 78 of 102 on third downs in 2020. That is 38.6%. That is 27th in the NFL. Red zone, third down. You can point to the Dolphins' issues with running the football, and you'll find a lot of the root causes of why the Dolphins struggled so greatly to convert third downs and convert red zone trips into touchdowns. Interestingly enough, this one did surprise me. The Dolphins were the number one team in the NFL on fourth down conversion rates. And if you had added on uh, some of the fakes that they've put on throughout the course of the year that were called off by penalties, they'd be even better than the 8 of 10, 80%, that they were in 2020. 
But what I find most interesting about that number is the deviation away from the tendencies that the Dolphins put on display in 2019. Uh, so the Dolphins in 2019 attempted 48 fourth down conversion attempts versus just 10 in 2020. This is a team that was worse on third down in 2019, 34%. That was 28th in the NFL. But almost three times as many fourth down attempts. And you think about some of the games that the Dolphins played in 2019. Some of these red zone trips, the game against Seattle, where we're kicking on fourth and two from the five, fourth and five from the seven, in a multi with a deficit at their disposal. So the Dolphins definitely much more selective this year with how they chose to attack fourth down. Uh, but I was surprised to see that number drop as significantly as it did. There's little question. Third down and red zone are two of the sore spots, and Brian Flores said it midseason when the Dolphins made the quarterback change. Brian Flores also said it at the end of the year when discussing where this team needs to continue to improve and get better. Third down, red zone. It hurts when you can't run the football, right? So what I've done to, tr to try to quantify um, how the Dolphins have or have not had success running the football this season, um, looking at the entirety of the distribution of the Dolphins team, where they ran the ball, where they ran the ball with success. Uh, so if you sorted out uh, the best yards per attempt by direction for the Dolphins, end around to the left, two runs, 17 yards, 8.5 yards per attempt. Here's the funny thing about that number. One of those runs went for 29 yards which means the other one went for negative 12. <laughs> that was the best yards per attempt. Uh, quarterback scrambles, 36 for 238, 6.6 .6 yards. These numbers coming thanks to our friends at Pro Football Focus. Uh, using that in tandem with my own charting of the Dolphins offense this year, uh, so I can see uh, kind of the, the raw number breakdowns, compare it with their numbers, uh, they have different filters that they put data on that, that I'm not well-versed enough in yet to figure out how to be able to do. Uh, but I also diagram the play so I can pull specific plays and find specific examples of what concepts they ran in these situations. So it's kind of a nice uh, blend of things at my disposal to kind of refer back to and look at this offense. Left guard, 27 rushing attempts, 5.4 yards per carry. Right end. 43 rush attempts, 223 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. If you want to know where they struggled the most, they ran one end around to the right for three yards. Left tackle, 36 carries, 2.4 yards per attempt. That does fall in line um, with what you would expect when you consider, you know, the most successful area of the offensive line was left guard. Uh, right end, they had some success once Robert Hunt got into the game. Both of those areas over five yards per attempt. But when they ran 
left tackle off Austin Jackson's hip, 2.4 yards. When they ran between Solomon Kinley or Jesse Davis, whoever's playing right guard and whoever's playing right tackle, 3.5 yards per attempt. Right up the gut, middle left and middle right, middle left was 5.0 yards per carry between Eric Flowers and Ted Karras. Middle right between whoever was playing right guard and Ted Karras, 3.5 yards per attempt on 40 carries. So directionally speaking, they had success running behind Eric Flowers, and they had success running off of Robert Hunt or whoever else was at right tackle's hip. Those were the two areas of most success running the football. And that falls in line when you look at, you know, from Pro Football Focus's perspective, how they graded Robert Hunt as a player. Uh, he obviously didn't play 27 snaps, something like that, in the first month of the season. Uh, his run block grade, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, was a 74, which is 21st out of 80 qualifying offensive tackles on the season. He's our best run blocker, Robert Hunt, right now, already. Our worst run blocker already is Austin Jackson. Uh, Austin Jackson, uh, kind of what we anticipated we were going to get when we drafted him. There are some highs. There are some some nice flashes. But the there's more peaks and valleys with Austin Jackson than what they were with Robert Hunt. And that's why at the beginning of the season, you know, I kind of expressed, I would expect Robert Hunt would have been the biggest lock to start the season as a starting offensive lineman as a rookie. But I also didn't anticipate that Solomon Kinley was going to emerge as the starting right guard, and the Dolphins didn't want to start two rookies side-by-side. I respect that, and Jesse Davis has enough versatility to kind of play all over the place. But you look at at rushing the ball and the the impact that that has on both the red zone conversion rate and the third down conversion rate, and it's pretty clear uh, that getting better running the football has to be a priority. Some of that stems from the talent in the backfield. Now, Miles Gaskin, I thought he did a great job. And in a perfect world, Miles Gaskin is probably your RB2 next year. Your RB2 slash third down back. And if you get that caliber of player that you know can take a full role, but he's taking a reduced role that's specialized and really tailored to his strengths, that's kind of the objective that I would be advocating for for the Dolphins across all skill position groups, right? It is, you know, you have a guy who is capable of doing it all, but get better at the guy who does it all and let that guy specialize and do the things that he's really great at. So, Miles Gaskin is a great example of that. Both Gaskin and Savon Ahmed and Matt Breida averaged over four yards per carry this year. Breida is effectively a dead man walking. I don't anticipate he'll be back. He saw no action at the end of the season. Um, really struggled to kind of get his wits about him with this coaching staff and get them to buy into him being a, a featured back. And the opportunities that he did get, I know there was a fumble involved against the Jets, and that was a tough pill to swallow. So I think the running back room is going to get turned on its head. I think the offensive line, there's some to, to be, some debate to be had on how you get better at running the football. But knowing full well, just right off the bat, that third down and red zone, those are two points of emphasis that Brian Flores hammered. Third and one, running the ball, that's the ticket. You have to get better there. And the Dolphins, you know, this offseason, we'll we'll spend some time looking at each one of the individual pieces and some film study and talk about uh, 
who can get better and who needs to be improved upon because they've reached their ceiling. The NFL playoffs are here, and while the Dolphins are not qualified, it does not mean you cannot still be a winner this winter. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust for all of your online sports bets, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As far as the skill players go, I think this this, this is probably a stat that really interests me more than, than your average fan. But if I asked you who on the Dolphins team averaged the best productivity of receiving yards per target, receiving yards per target, would you be able to gauge who those players are? Would your number one guess be running back Matt Breida? Small sample size. He was only targeted 10 times. He had nine receptions for 96 yards on 10 targets. 9.6. The next best productivity perspective, Mike Gusecki. This is a high-volume example. Mike Gusecki averaged 8.3 yards per target on the season on 85 targets. That's a great number. Miles Gaskin, 8.3 yards per target on 47 targets. His catch percentage was unreal, 87% out of the backfield. But three of the top four Miami Dolphins in productivity from a yards per target perspective were running backs in Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida for a team that we knew coming in was a little handcuffed at the wide receiver position. But what I want to put into perspective is where some of the other players in the NFL rank from a productivity perspective on yards per target. There were 14 players in the NFL this season who logged over 10 yards per target. Will Fuller, 11.7. Rashard Higgins from Cleveland, 11.5. Julio Jones, Justin Jefferson, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Nelson Aguilar, Corey Davis, DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, George Kittle, Mo Ali Cox, Chris Goodwin, Kiki Kuti. Now, you got some high volume guys in there AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, DJ Moore, Justin Jefferson, Julio Jones, Corey Davis. These, these are the high volume players in this regard. Travis Kelsey was at 9.8. So, where the Dolphins kind of checked in here. Nothing to turn your nose up to. 
That is, of course, until you take into account a volume threshold. No, Matt Breed is not going to qualify from a productivity perspective on yards per target. The highest qualifying player on the Dolphins list is Mike Isecki at 8.3. He comes in 55th in the NFL in productivity per target. Miles Gaskin, 8.3 productivity yards per target. Devontae Parker, 83rd, 7.7 yards per target. Jakeem Grant, 105th, 6.9 yards per target. The Dolphins couldn't find explosive plays. So all of their high percentage plays were within the box. And when they tried to go vertical and take over-the-top plays, they turned into such low percentage hits that the only reason Mike Gusecki was anywhere near respectable in this because he broke one 70-yard run against the San Francisco 49ers. Genuinely, if you took that away and Mike Gusecki had 633 receiving yards on 84 targets, he's 7.5. He drops from 55th all the way down to 91st. So as we talk about and as we think about, you know, from the passing game perspective, what needs to get better? We need guys who could catch the ball because drops were a problem for the Dolphins. They were inside the NFL's 10 worst teams for drops this year. It hung to a tongue of a out to dry on a number of occasions. But generally speaking, the, the Dolphins cannot separate from man coverage. So you need man beaters. You need man beating concepts. You need man beater skill players, players that can run away from leverage and work to space. So I think whoever comes in here as the offensive coordinator, the opportunity to install a bunch of option routes and site adjustments and and it's kind of a continuation of what we talked about is why RPOs are so valuable for any team is it gives you the chance to make opposing players wrong regardless of what happens in real time. So if you run option routes and you're reading the leverage of the defender in question, you run to where he's not and you run to grass, you find grass. That is something I would like to see be a point of emphasis for whoever comes in here next that was not necessarily a point of emphasis for Changeli's offense. Changeli's offense was more so get to a spot at a certain amount of time, and how you get there, we really don't care. I remember that being a big thing in the preseason, and the receivers talking about how much they love the flexibility to work and, and freelance until they got to their spot. But the problem with that that I did see throughout portions of the season is if you have physical defenders, uh, that timing can get thrown off because receivers will freelance and uh, you end up with too many receivers in a clustered spot on the field at the same time. And then really all you need is one or two defenders and you can cover three or four guys simultaneously because the spacing gets thrown off and the timing gets thrown off and people get congested. And that, that gets to be very messy so a little bit more route structure in hindsight is probably something that will benefit the Miami Dolphins uh, as well as better personnel you know we, we alluded to this with the running back position with Miles Gaskin and, and Gaskin proved himself to be a competent starting NFL running back but I don't want competency I want excellence 
at every position on the field. It should be the aspiration and the goal, and that's what we, we joked earlier in the week about the Dolphins talking about adding competition to every room in the locker room and every room on the roster uh, to get better. But I absolutely buy into that, and that extends even to the wide receiver position where you look at Devontae Parker's currently the team's wide receiver one. This is a player who should ideally be the team's wide receiver two next year. Ideally, you find someone else to bring in, whether that's through the draft or free agency. Lynn Bowden Jr. should ideally be in like Jakeem Grant's spot on the roster right now. That's not to say Lynn Bowden Jr. cannot develop into a more impactful all-around receiver, but if he does, that's how you end up getting to the point where you have this embarrassment of riches in your locker room and the depth on your roster, and that's how you build and cultivate a Super Bowl winner is by player development but not being complacent and banking on player development in all cases to just get the job done and get you where you need to be. No, you need to go out and invest. you got to continue to buy into players. It's like what the Dolphins did it in, on the offensive line this year and, and what some people would advocate for the Dolphins to do with Penny Sewell at left tackle versus Austin Jackson. I get it, and I wouldn't be mad if Penny Sewell was the pick. I'd get it. But the, the Dolphins have to walk this tightrope with doing it everywhere, with every position on the roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball, where they're so young, they have so many rookies, so many guys that are getting their feet underneath of them. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, Visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of BuiltBar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, we do have to talk about the quarterback position. We do have to talk about Tua Tagovailoa, and we got to talk about where he did well, where he did not. This one should be fairly easy because this has been discussed a lot. We've talked a lot about this on the podcast. But I did want to look at Next Gen Stats Revisit. I know um, Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald did a nice job. He pulled PFF numbers and Next Gen Stats, et cetera, et cetera. Talking about all the lack of help that Tua got. We talked about drops and separation. and We've pounded that drum on the show before. I'm not going to really get into that. But, but talking specifically about... Uh, the quarterback play and the structure of the offense around him and, and what Tua did well and what he didn't do well. And um, I'll say this, of qualifying passers in the NFL, uh, 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Tua Tagovailoa still had the NFL's seventh fastest snap to release average on the season. The only quarterbacks faster than him that were qualifying uh, amongst NFL passers, all of which had at least uh, 140 pass attempts. Brandon Allen had 142. Everybody else, uh, 250 or more. Ryan Fitzpatrick had the next lowest of the names above Tua. Ben Roethlisberger, 2.3. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 2.38. Andy Dalton, 2.5. Brandon Allen, 2.51. Nick Foles, 2.51. Phillip Rivers, 2.52. Tua Tagovailoa, 2.55. Looking at and comparing some of the numbers comparatively across the other statistics that they do chart, uh, ironic that Ryan Fitzpatrick, aggressive tight window throws on 21.7%. Nick Foles, 20.8%. Brandon Allen, 19.7%. Tua Tagovailoa, 20.3%. Tight window throws, defenders within one yard of the receiver at the point of the completion. Compare and contrast that to names like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, 11% for all three of those. And each one of those three averaged at least eight yards, intended air yards per pass attempt on the season. Tua Averaged 7.7 average intended air yards. So it's not as though he's he transitioned into this uh, check down Charlie. And when I say that, relatively speaking, Alex Smith attempted 252 pass attempts this year. And his average intended air yards was five yards down the field. Jimmy Garoppolo, 6.2. Drew Brees, 6.3. Jared Goff, 6.5. Tua is at 7.7. And he's middle of the pack. Now, he's not some of the other guys that were bombs away. Tom Brady averaged 9.3. Baker Mayfield, 9 yards downfield. Deshaun Watson, 9 yards downfield. Josh Allen, 8.8. Matt Stafford, 9. So middle of the road. But those intermediate areas of the field is definitely an area for Tua where there is room to get better. I don't think there's any question uh, in that regard intermediate, middle of the field, and we talked about that early in the week. A lot of that is going to come from conceptually the Dolphins finding more completions to the perimeter and finding ways uh, to kind of free up space in the middle of the field because teams just get so congested there, and Tua would have to throw with a lot of touch to get up and over the middle portions of the field that are super congested with a lot of defenders, which is what teams did down the stretch. Miami took a lot of completions to the flats on the rollouts and the play actions and the RPOs, but what about 10, 15 yard in outbreaking patterns going to the sideline? You know, more of an area of emphasis there to kind of force teams to pull those linebackers and open up that middle of the field a little bit. Generally speaking, I think you can can look at short yardage, rushing, winning against man coverage in one-on-one, more area of emphasis to push the ball vertically down the field. Those are your points of emphasis. Finishing in the red zone is helped by two of those three, right? Third down conversions is helped by short yardage and converting your third and short runs. 
And we, you can go all the way back to the Jacksonville game this year, which they just struggled to finish drives or sustain drives because running the football was very erratic. Whether or not the players that we have in place, specifically in the offensive line, while the show is dedicated to the line and each personnel player and if they should be a long-term fixture or not, um, that's a more deep-dive conversation. But I kind of wanted to set the table and kind of evaluating what our punch list looks like for the offense this offseason. So uh, I'm looking to demote players on the depth chart. And I say that with the utmost respect for the players on the depth chart. But I want more competition to make you less focal point of offense. Devontae Parker, Miles Gaskin. I want a Najee Harris. I want a Devonta Smith or a Jalen Waddle. You want to push the ball vertically down the field, Jalen's your guy. I don't care. I love his film. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's they, they talk about competition and getting better. We're going to go through and talk about what roles specifically need that more than others, but consider this and across the board, the Dolphins are not in a position to turn their nose up to any kind of upgradable talent at any position on the roster, any position on the roster. Because that's how Super Bowl contenders are bred. So the mentality of, well, we're good here because we got so-and-so, nah, throw that out the window. Ask ourselves every hard question we can find. Is so-and-so an upgrade over what we have? If the answer is yes, is it worth the move to make? Exciting times ahead, so make sure you hit subscribe on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Keep it locked in. Right here, all off-season long, Kyle Krabs, another episode in the books. Thanks, as always, for listening. Tomorrow we go over the defense, a surface-level overview, evaluating what went right, what needs to be improved upon, and creating our punch list for things to to emphasize this off-season. Thanks, as always, for listening. Talk to you guys soon. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this off-season, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.